The following is a conversation between Matthew Connolly, Chief Executive Officer of Good360, and Denver Frederick, the host of The Business of Giving. As a global leader in product philanthropy and purposeful giving, Good360 partners with socially responsible companies to source highly needed goods and distribute them through their network of diverse nonprofits that support people in need. But how does that work need to be reimagined in the midst of a pandemic? To find that out, it's a pleasure to have with us the president and CEO of Good360, Matt Conley. Welcome to the Business of Giving, Matt. Thank you, Denver. Great to be here this morning. Before we get into what you're doing right now, Tell us about the organization, who you serve, and how your business model works. We serve our nonprofit partners. We have 90,000 distinct nonprofit entities in our network. All those nonprofits are vetted and they go through a process which makes us understand what their needs are, how much quantity they, a product they can take. So that way we have the best information possible in our CRM. As far as our donors goes, we've worked real hard over the past eight years to develop operating capabilities that are of value. And specifically, a lot of those operating capabilities are functionality associated with reverse logistics. Mm -hmm. uh, reverse logistics is a sexy word for returns. Returns uh, used to be a uh, nuisance, and it went to be an expensive nuisance, and now it's a real differential, both pro or con for companies. So Good360 was able to... Uh, build operating capabilities that provide great solutions for some of the most complex supply chains in the world for their excess product. The additional value the donors get is that they get assurance that their product is going to wind up with uh, reputable vetted charities, it won't wind up on Craigslist or a flea market. Uh, we also are able to customize the distribution of their donated product to hit specific targeted needs when the requirement is there by the donor. The donor is also able to get enhanced tax write-off. Mm -hmm. And lastly, is we've been improving our functionality of providing the donor media content in regards to their uh, philanthropic efforts. The model has really taken off because corporations are very interested to reduce their carbon footprint. So a lot of our solutions prevent the extended transportation of return products back to origin domicile, as well as our operating capabilities help reduce cost we're able to distribute goods that would otherwise be thrown out in a landfill or transported back to a return center. We're able to distribute those products locally in a lot of cases. So the donors also getting the benefit of employee engagement opportunities as well. Matt, in normal times, what type of product is typically delivered? Yeah, during normal times, it could be the full spectrum. And this is where it really comes into play during disasters, Denver. You know, during a disaster, the needs of the nonprofits on the ground doing great work evolve. You know, originally, you know, it starts with, you know, temporary housing and water, and then it goes to hygiene products and paper products, and then it migrates over to building products and then furniture and household goods. So we're able to work with our donors to feed the products that are needed during that quote unquote long tail of the disaster recovery. Similarly, we were able to really understand what our nonprofit partners' needs are in our database, communicate that to donors or target specific asks of donors for a product that they might have in their network or that they produce, that they can provide a uh, tangible impact with the nonprofit partner we have in our network. 
you know, I'm curious about this, but is it a bigger challenge getting merchandise donated by corporations or is it having nonprofits knowing about this opportunity and taking action to reach out and receive it? That's a great question, Denver. And the answer to that kind of oscillates back and forth <laughs> based on the timing of the situation. Right now, for example, getting the donated product is easier because as you know, Denver supply chains are center stage now with COVID-19. Everybody mm-hmm. understands the importance of supply chain when they go to markets and you know certain paper products aren't available for them. That what you're seeing, Denver, is some supply chains have a glut of product due to the dramatic stoppage of consumer demand. There's not enough capacity. And there's a strong demand for those products. So for the former, where there's excess product, Good360 is a great outlet for excess product to help a company reset their supply chain, do it in a sustainable manner. They're able to save money a lot of times by not having to have disposal cost or transport it to a warehouse and store it for another day. They're able to get the impact of it right away. So currently right now, donated product is the stronger tether and our nonprofit partners Unfortunately, as you know, Denver, is a lot of times nonprofits aren't well capitalized, right? That's so right. A lot of nonprofits are, are you know, going through an adjustment in their operating model, and that could be capital constraints, as I mentioned, but it also could be the lack of volunteers. Mm-hmm. A lot of our nonprofit partners rely on volunteers to sort donated product, distribute donated product. Uh, a lot of those volunteers tend to be elderly, maybe retired on their second career. So right now, the focus is always on both sides of the curve. That's why it's a complex model at Good360. We're, we're operating on the catch of donated product. We're going to be real good and efficient there. And then the pitch is, quote unquote, the distribution of the product. The distribution is what we're really being sensitive to, or what our nonprofit partners are going through and finding out how we can help them. Secondarily is understanding that you know a nonprofit partner that might have accepted donated goods today might not be able to take it for another two or three months till they get their, their footing back. Mm-hmm. What items are your focus on getting during the COVID-19 crisis? How has that changed and what are people looking for? What are you trying to gather in order to distribute them now that this pandemic has hit? As you know, Denver, we have a lot of experience with disaster recovery. This is a disaster, but it's a different disaster on a number of fronts. Our response for disaster recovery are usually geographic. Mm-hmm. We're in a specific area of the country. And, you know, for example, Nashville, it seems like a million years ago. Years it ago, does, doesn't it? In, for, in the quarter one, Nashville got hit with tornadoes. And we galvanized and understood what the local nonprofits on the ground needed. Specifically, Goodness Project is a great partner in Nashville. And we fed them products that were needed during the life cycle of that disaster recovery. Now, COVID-19 is different because it's national in scope. We have done a great deal of focus up in New York area. We have a great nonprofit partner called World of Giving based yep. in New Rochelle, New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, we provided them probably you know seven truckloads of donated product. Uh, that product is uh, certainly PPE, which is mm-hmm. center stage, N95 masks, we could talk a little bit about the supply chain for PPE because we've done a lot of research on that and work. Yeah, talk a little bit about that. That's a really of tremendous interest. Yeah, yeah. What we've noticed is that this country didn't have enough PPE. And so the product that we had donated to us by great partners like a Granger, we distributed that early in the mm-hmm. process. Either healthcare systems, 
or partners like World of Giving to distribute it locally. Right now, we're looking into sourcing. The supply chain's opening up, as you've probably read about, you know, Operation Airbridge by UPS, you know, moving 20 aircraft for FEMA. The supply chain's opening up. The prices are coming down, which are uh-huh. great. We worked with key partners like Walmart to get line of sight to their vendors in Asia. But sourcing was never really our core competency, but it's fast becoming our core competency. But there's a lot to it. We need to make sure that the product that we're sourcing, especially abroad, is FDA compliant. We understand the customs associated with it. But in short is, is prices are coming down, thankfully, and minimum quantities, which was a big problem as well, are being less stringent. You know, for example, uh, not having to buy, you know, 10 pallets of a product at X. You can buy smaller quantities and that makes it a little easier for us to make the investment and distribute it. Yeah, greater flexibility all the way around. And I've seen you've been providing diapers and home cleaning and education, all that, correct? Correct, correct. Yeah, just kind of talking about COVID-19 again, going back to that, a lot of focus on PPE, a lot of focus on paper products and cleaning supplies. Now there's some focus on things to make people's lives easier at home. Our heart breaks for, you know, two working parents with two kids at home, trying to get them ramped up in a virtual school environment. If they're in small quarters and, you know, there's drains on the internet, there's, there's lack of access to uh, tablets and something as simple as toys are impactful, right? To, to keep a child entertained and engaged. So, you know, their parent who stretched, right, gets a little time to themselves to do what they need to do, whether it's cleaning the house or jumping on a, a Zoom meeting for their work, et cetera. So toys are really starting to come into play as being needed along with tablets and technology devices to assist families in this new normal of potentially working in cramped environments, being in a quarantine situation most likely, having to adjust to work challenges themselves, but as well as to their children to get them engaged in a virtual school system, as well as give the children peace of mind, since uh, this is a challenging time for all of us. Yeah, that makes an awful lot of sense, Matt. Whether you're a for-profit or non-profit, these are tough times. What do you do to think about conserving cash and accelerating revenues and doing the things that any organization has to do to survive this? Well, thankfully, uh, Good360 has an excellent chief financial officer named Mike Davis, and and we have an excellent board. As you know, we've had a strong list of just powerful alumni on the board, and we have excellent fiduciary oversight with Peter Resnick on our board. So early in March, we put some steps in place to conserve cash. We are not in a furlough situation, so we were eligible for the PPP to get some government assistance, so that cash will be most likely coming in later this month to help us keep everybody working, which is our intent and our plan. And you know, lastly is, is we're you know, fortunate that our model is really needed by a lot of donor partners that have excess product. And we're currently working on some very large projects, which will generate operating fees for our entity. Fantastic. Matt, what changes do you foresee in the workplace environment as a result of this shared experience? And have you initiated anything in this virtual world that you just might take back with you when we uh, return to a semblance of normal? The leadership team of Good360 talks about that constantly. And that's always front and center in our weekly staff meeting. 
which is virtual by Zoom, of course. Yeah, of course. Is our people because, as I talked about before, a lot of our people are young people. They could be have multiple roommates. They could be in, you know close quarter environment. So we're very cognizant that we're you know meeting their mental health needs. And we've done a couple of steps. One is is we waived personal time off. PTO is the term. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, we wanted to make sure people took the time they needed when they needed it and didn't need to worry about PTO allocation. So for the next 30 days, we made that decision on Friday. Uh, the next 30 days, we're waiving PTO where anybody that needs, you know, to take a break. Because as you learned, Denver, at the beginning of the workday and the end of the workday never blurs, right? Yeah, people, you're absolutely right. And everybody's situation is completely different, whether it be kids or elderly parents or you, you have no idea. Yeah. We found that our people were working harder than they ever have before, which was great because the, you know, the need was there both for our nonprofit partners and the requests were coming in from our donors for solutions, but we were very worried about burning our people out. Right. So Mm -hmm. we, you know, any PTO, anybody can take any time they want, when they want it, and it won't go against their vacation allocation for the year. That's one step. Second, we've got an excellent chief technology officer that has put in some really cool tools to keep us connected Microsoft Teams, virtual water cooler. We certainly have plenty of Zoom events every late Friday at 4.30. And we have the whole team get on for a virtual happy hour, if you will. It does Uh, sound like cocktails would be involved in that. It can be. We're very careful, right? We want to make sure that, uh, you know, it's it's (laughs) always not about that. It's more about the fellowship. But I'm sure some people are maybe using that as an opportunity to start the weekend off. And those three steps were a big one, but we're thinking ahead of what we can do, because it certainly appears we're going to be in this situation for at least another six weeks. Yeah. Into May, it's April 13th today. And so we're challenging ourselves to find different ways to make sure we're meeting our people's mental health needs. We're finding a way to keep them engaged and involved. And also from a project management standpoint is how to make sure that we're aligned because we're getting a lot of requests coming in, both from our nonprofit partners for how we can support them. And we're getting a lot of requests from our donor partners for different solutions to help them with their excess product that, you know, we just need to make sure that now that we're in this virtual environment, we're not having things fall between the cracks or having prioritization issues since our focus needs to be laser-like right now for all the obvious reasons. What have you found, Matt, to be the keys of being an effective leader in a crisis? And do you think that the expectations for leaders is going to change in this post-COVID-19 world? Yeah, I 100% agree with the latter right there, Denver, which you can talk about. What I've tried to strike the right chord of is giving our team confidence, making sure they're assured that we're going to be a viable entity, we're going to get through this. We're going to be needed like never before. We're going to be relevant more than ever, unfortunately, because the economic devastation of this situation is going to be really troubling, right? And, yeah. Uh, you know, that, that's what troubles me, right, is the pain and impact. So is providing everybody the confidence and the assurance of our long-term viability, but also striking that right measure that there's, there's going to be some more shoes to potentially drop, right? You know, we don't know when this is going to end. We don't know the exact economic devastation of this crisis yet. We don't know if there's going to be a boomerang in regards to a different strain of this virus that might come later this year, right? So we want to make sure that we're genuine too with our people and not, 
you know, letting them know that this is a challenging time and uh, mm-hmm. the defining moment for us as individuals and us as an entity for Good 360. So striking that right balance of providing a calm and confidence, but also being genuine in the fact that this is going to require the extreme skill of the organization and it's going to require future nimbleness and innovation because we don't know exactly how this story is going to play out completely. Finally, Matt, tell us about your Sparkling Kindness program and then share a story from it that has really inspired you. Oh, great. Well, Good360 operates very efficiently and we act like an operating company because our inefficiencies are paid by our nonprofit partners and that's not acceptable. So we really run more like a commercial operating entity, but First and foremost, we're Mm purpose-driven. We're a nonprofit. We're here to make social impact. Every meeting at Good360 starts about our people, as mentioned, and then secondarily is an impact story, where we share an impact story of what we've done, what we assisted with a nonprofit partner, and how they've made an impact in their communities. And that's a great way for us just to keep it real. Yeah, that we're not dealing with spreadsheets. We're not dealing with power. Well, we're dealing with spreadsheets and PowerPoints all day, but it's not about that. It's about the people on the ground and and making people's lives better and giving them a smile after a hard day, et cetera. As far as a neat story that we're working on, and I'm going to be a little bit vague, Denver, here because the public release announcement won't be going out till probably later this week by the donor partner, but we're uh, planning to move 20 full truckloads of toys throughout the country. These toys will be distributed to both large nonprofits that have a network of their own of other nonprofits, but also individually to smaller nonprofits. With our intent is to provide a substantial network of toy distribution that will allow some relief to a lot of families that are going through a hard time. Mm-hmm. And, and that's going to be something that's going to be really special that will unwind this month of April. And that will give a lot of smiles across the country and hopefully some relief to some hardworking parents and also some relief for some children, right? Children can feed off their parents' anxiety, right? So that's a very large project that we're working on that is going to deliver a lot of value to our nonprofit partners and the people they serve. Fantastic. That's pretty cool stuff. Tell us about your website and the information you have up on it and how people, if they want to get engaged or involved, can help you. Yeah, great, great. Yeah, thank you, Denver. Yeah, good360.org. You go to our website, and if you were moved to donate to our COVID-19 response, we are committed to be great stewards of that investment. We commit to at least 10x of exponential impact to that dollar given. Specifically is for every dollar given, we commit to provide at least $10 of fair market value of donated product to the entities that can make the most use of that. Generally, it comes in around 15 or 20x Mm -hmm. uh, based on how efficient we are with the transportation. But please go to good360.org. And and if you have it in your heart, would love to be great stewards of your investment to make, uh, make an impact in our community since we know they need it. I know you're a busy guy, Matt. I just want to let you know how grateful I am for you taking the time this morning to be with us and to share this information. Thanks and stay well. Thank you, Denver.